Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, Nicks? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. How's it going? My guest today is Michael K. Williams. Yeah, fucking Michael K. Williams. Omar from The Wire. Yeah, Omar from The Wire is here. You also know him from Boardwalk Empire, uh, The Night Of. He's in the HBO movie, Bessie. Uh, with uh, Queen Latifah, he's on this uh, the other one, the 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 Lovecraft uh, show. You know a man. It's the dude with the scar on his face. Big fan of his, and he's in this new film, uh, Body Brokers. And I also talked to Melissa Leo on Monday about uh, the movie as well a bit. And it's a it's one of these small movies. It's not going to get a lot of advertising money uh, spent on it. And um, there's not going to be a lot of free publicity on it. But it's worth seeing and it's and it's worth hearing these people who are in it. And I hopefully I can get to to talk to the director as well. But this movie is about the rehab racket. It's about the drug rehab racket on all levels. It doesn't pull any punches. It's got a little bit of snark to it in terms of the narration, which is, seems to be sort of a thing now. Kind of like that the uh, We Care A Lot movie. Uh, but, but the nuts and bolts of it are, are pretty disturbing because there are people given the opportunity, given the window, you know, given, you know, just the room to do it will be corrupt, morally bankrupt, greedy, evil fucks. Almost everybody is an opportunist. Almost everybody is selfish. And when a system breaks down as thoroughly as the system has broken down here over the last four years, even people who think they're good, when they see a window of opportunity to do something a little off or way off, we'll take it if they can rationalize the action. Anyways, I'm, that's another tangent. Maybe I could talk about that because I got a little something stuck in my craw. I don't know. Are there really innately sort of selfless or 
you know, empathetic people. Are most people selfish fucking people? I tend to think so. Like, I'm a cranky bastard. I'm defensive. You know, I seem to be kind of uh, self-centered. But, you know, I spend a lot of time in my head. I spend a lot of time, even when it's not a plague, even when I'm not alone. I find I spend a lot of time in my head. But if you get me out of my head because you need help, if you call me up and you need something and you're a friend or you're somebody I know and I know you're not trying to take advantage of me, I'll fucking step up. I mean, I'm not saying I'm the guy that's going to run into the burning building to pull the people out or the doggies or the kitties. But, you know, when the guy comes down with the doggies or the kitties or the people, I'll, I'll walk him to the ambulance. I'll, I'll, I'll put a blanket around him and, and walk him to where they need to go to sit down or perhaps, uh, you know, help get, give them a bottle of water, you know. I don't know if I'm the guy that's going to step in between a couple of guys fighting, but I'll I'll I'll, I'll hang around and and uh, and say, hey, come on, chill. Look, I'm no saint, but my point is, are there good people? Are there just genuinely good people? Like you think about all these service, these healthcare people. They're they're tremendously good people. It's their job, but they 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 do the job of helping. They do the job of healing. Those people are altruistic and, and necessary, and thank God they exist. There are people that put their lives on the line for other people. And yeah, obviously, they, everyone's got their problems. But I'm saying I think most people are out for themselves. And I don't think that's just some part of capitalism. I think there seems to be a few different types of people. There's desperate people that need to survive. So they're going to do what's necessary to survive. They have to. And hopefully it doesn't kill them or others. Then there's people that are just shamelessly fucking self-serving. Like, fuck you. I want mine. I get mine. I'll do whatever I have to do to get mine. It doesn't even have to be about survival. Just, you know, fuck you. Get out of my way. I'm taking it. And then there's people that think they're good, yet they're, they, do, they do the same thing. What am I beating around the bush about? I finally know somebody. Look, I'm sure there's plenty of... You know, people I know, rich people, people of uh, in positions of power that have jumped the line to get the vaccine. And the real question is, like, if you had the opportunity, if I had the opportunity, you know, would I go get the vaccine? Probably. Am I seeking that opportunity out? No. If someone said to me, like, dude, I got some vaccine in my truck. Come here. You want vaccine? 50 bucks. I'll, I'll shoot you up right now. I'm not, we can knock it out, dude. 50 bucks. I got a cooler in the truck. I probably wouldn't do that. You know, am I going to hang around a parking lot of a clinic for leftover ones? No, it's happening. So I'm going to wait till my healthcare provider to my Walgreens makes it available to me. It's a drag. And I know there are line jumpers, but the, the truth is, is that even if you think you're a good person, where's the virtue in waiting your turn if you don't have to? Right? I mean, if you had the choice or if you wanted to make it your goal, like I'm tired of this shit. I'm going to do whatever I got to do to go find me a fucking shot of vaccine on the level, on the up and up. But knowing that it really isn't on the up and up because, you know, it's not your turn. What do the virtuous get? You know, last in line, COVID, they could die, I guess. But they'll die knowing that they didn't fucking jump the line. But there's no difference between the good people who think they're good and do the shitty thing 
and the people that are shamelessly shitty. The only difference between those people is the good people pay lip service to feeling bad about it or guilty, but they still did the same thing. You don't feel bad. Just be honest. I mean, people who, who jump lines or cheat or steal, but they're you know innately good people that have somehow rationalized their behavior primarily because they, they worked hard to figure out how to do it or they took advantage of their place in the world to get special treatment. And they're like, yeah, I feel a little guilty. No, you don't. You don't feel bad. You feel glad. Just shut up. Don't tell anybody if you cheated or if you jumped the line. Just keep it to yourself or just say, fuck you. I figured it out and I got it. That's what you did. That's who you are. You're not like, oh, you know, I, I probably shouldn't have, but, you know, I just shut up. You fucking put your mind to it and you figured out a way to jump the line or get it. But don't don't play games. I'm like, oh, you know, I feel bad. No, you don't. People are selfish. It's like, what do you feel like? Hey, you know, it's like, I'm sorry I started that fire, you, you know, but, uh, but, you know, we had a nice, it was a nice picnic. I mean, I feel bad about the fire that burned all those land and killed those horses. But, you know, we, those were good hot dogs. Hey, it's really sad, man, that, you know, the neighbor's house burnt down because of our barbecue. But, you know, but, you know, we had a good time and, you know, I didn't really like, I don't really know them and, you know, they're gone now. I mean, it's sad, but uh, I feel bad about it. But, you know, it, you know, we had a nice cookout. Spare me. Why am I so worked up? I know why. Because I'm not trying to cheat to get my fucking vaccine. And I want it so I can feel better. I'm tired of it too. But this is what waiting online sounds like. Fuck these people. Cut the fuck. What about me? Come here, buddy. I got... Got a cooler in the truck. I'm sitting on four Moderna. You like Moderna? You want the Pfizer? I got the Pfizer. Whatever you want, buddy. Just come over to the truck, man. I got it in the cooler. You want Pfizer? Got the J&J coming next week. What do you need, bro? 100 bucks. You got 200 bucks cash? I'll lay the Moderna on you right now. I'll give you the second shot. You put it in your freezer. Just keep it for yourself. I'll give you the works. I'll give you everything. I'll give you the full kit. 200 bucks. Come on, man. I got it in the truck. You want the Fize? I got the Fizey. You want the Fizey? You want the Moderna? Fizey, one shot of work, two shots guaranteed. J&J, that shit's going for a little more, a little pricier. 500, man. I got it right now. You want it? You want the rig? I'll give you the full works. 500 for J&J. So this movie, Body Brokers, is a good movie it's available to buy or rent on demand on platforms like itunes prime video and more body brokers is the name of the movie michael k williams is my guest you you also know him as omar from the wire that that was the 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 big breakout boardwalk empire uh lovecraft country the night of bessie he was in bessie hbo anyways i was nervous because i didn't know what he would be like but man we had a nice time and we had a nice chat. This is me talking to the amazing 
Michael K. William. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school, or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature, and now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Fox Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Fox Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts. Where are you at right now? I'm in New York, man, Brooklyn, BK. Is it? Uh, is the snow still there? Yeah, you know, some snow on the ground. It's winter, so we do here, you know what I mean? <laughs> I know. I lived there for a long time. I lived on the Lower East Side and over on 16th Street. I got no seasons yes. out here. Yeah. Uh, were you, are you in Cali now? I'm in California, and it's just a, a little chilly. That's our winter. It's a little chilly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> not, not too bad. There's some part about having nothing to do that's not that terrible. Man, you come on with it. You better talk that talk. <laughs> I mean, I know it's like it gets a little crazy, but it, on another level, it's like, hey, if nobody else is doing anything, fuck it. I'm okay. You're going to have to be. What's because the alternative sucks. You know what I mean? It's, it's like, bad. You have to be okay, man, and get some type of grounding. Did you get it or no? You know, I got a little a little scare. Um, Someone in my family... They went down, they had to be hospitalized, and I was oh. in contact with them. Um, so, you know, um, I quarantined uh, yeah. for the 14 days. Yeah. And, you know, I, I there was a point where, you know, I was like, I don't smell nothing. And, you know, and the taste got a little, a little, um, you know, I was like, damn, I, I, you know, because I cook, right? So I made a pot of curry. And yeah. I was like, damn, now I know I could taste my curry. And yeah. I was like, okay, maybe I am. A, so I had no some symptoms, but. No grace of God, man. I didn't have to be hospitalized. No temperatures. No problems breathing. Um, it's when well, I just good. quarantined. Yeah. So, oh, but so you 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 did you tested you got it you got it and you just got it minor. Yes. Yes. Sir. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. You got lucky. It's fucking crazy, man. Yeah. Yeah. You know. I mean. I. I. I you know. I. I'm. I, I. I consider myself blessed today, man. You know. One. I. I got good genes. You know. Um. You know. My, I got. I came from really good genes physically and. Um. You know, over the summer, man, you know, like you spoke about with the, with everybody else ain't doing nothing. So I had to find something to do because um, nothing for me is not an option. You know, I don't mind double workshop. I'm, I'm sure. that dude. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I found uh, I found physical fitness this summer, but not for the sake of muscles. You know, I got real got real familiar with cardio and calisthenics yeah. and stretching and breathing. Yeah. Simple shit. And I, I truly believe, man, that because um. I put that as in my program and my daily routine that it gave me a leg to stand on to fight that motherfucker back a little bit, that, that shit. And it didn't knock me down. I mean, yeah. I'm no doctor. That's just my little take on it. I, that's what I chose to believe that, you know, um, they, they, we are so conditioned 
to run from this thing that, you know, I think sometimes we need to also remember that we have everything in our bodies to kind of, to at least arm it to fight back. Like we got a gun in our body. It's called a, an immune system. And we yeah. put some bullets in that motherfucker. We yeah. might just slay the giant. We don't yeah. know until we fight back. So that's, <laughs> you know, I just, that's where I'm at with it. Yeah. Hold on one second. Don't, don't hang on. Hold on one second. I'm not going to hang up. <laughs> I, I'm I'm have my little lunch on 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 the stove and I smelled this. Let me turn this shit off. All right, oh. So what's up, man? Talk to me, Mark. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, I've been doing that too. You do? Uh, do you meditate? Yeah, yeah. You not do. as much as I used to. I'm one of those people. Like, damn, you know, meditating is so hard. I'm like, damn, Mike. You mean sitting down, not saying shit, turning up your brain, closing your eyes? That's hard. Like, really? <laughs> like. <laughs> You got you got to do it first thing. It's only hard if you've been doing other shit. If you had a bunch of coffee, <laughs> you've already eaten. You know what I mean? You, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, whatever. You, you you've already on the computer, and then all of a sudden, yeah, I got to sit down and shut it off. Right when you get out of bed, just do it. That's what I've been doing. I just started a couple months ago. You know what? I received that, brother. Thank you. That's the trick because yeah. you know I wait till I, I, you know, by the time I remember to do it, I've already done a few things in the morning. Yeah. And it, your brain's it, on fire. Yeah, it can't. It's yeah. That's what the trick. Do it first thing in the morning before my feet even leave the bed. Right. I got the mat on the floor. I got you know, like I, I just see it on the floor, and I get up and I do uh, yoga a little bit, and then I sit with the the guy, the English guy on the app, the Headspace app, and he he talks me through it. He's annoying, but you know, talks me through it. You know what? I'm gonna take that suggestion, bro. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, the next time I see you, I'm gonna be like, thank you, and this is what I've been. I probably, you gave me two things. One, do it first thing in the morning. And I got a yoga mat here that I never use. But if I lay it out in my room, in my yeah. bedroom by my bed, and if I, if I see it, it'll jar my memory. That's yeah. a great, that's a great idea, man. I'm going to try that shit, bro. Thank yeah, you. just get up and do it. Like I also, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan and I, uh, I watched the new movie, The Body Brokers. And, uh, I, you know, look, I'm a sober dude, you know, and I like, I know that world a little bit. And then you know, as it reveals itself, it's sort of like, it's insane and heartbreaking and, uh, and informative. I really liked the movie and I thought that you did a great job with it, man. Oh man. Thank you. You know, and, um, for, you know, first of all, this was, it was, a, this was a passion project for me because, um, I share your story, you know, I'm in the club as well too. Really? Um, yeah. And, yeah, yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know, and um, you know, anybody that that's heard me speak before, I'm not, I'm not shy about it. You know, relapse is the part me of neither. my, my yeah. story, and you know, but uh, I'm living good today. You know, I guess all we got is today. But this film, you know, jails, drugs, jails, um, institutions, institutions death, death, right? Yeah, right. So, so, um, yeah, I've had my fair share of institutions. I, you know, thank God I haven't gone to jail yet, and obviously I'm still here, but I've had my fair share with institutions and. You know, I feel what you said was this this film, the narrative of this film was extremely disturbing, extremely right. disturbing. And I was like, I did almost like, well, like, what do we do with that? Like, that's are you kidding me? So when you when you first read the script uh, by uh, John Swab, is that his name? Yeah, John Swab. Man, great guy. He's the writer and the director. Yeah, because I, I know guys that work in that industry. But he, he, my buddy Mike, he came over yesterday to talk a little bit because I told him about the movie. And he's like, uh, when he works with in, in rehabs. And he had to quit two jobs, you know, because they were corrupt and he didn't feel comfortable, right? Yes, so my, my thing was, you know, when, when you read that script as a sober guy, 
you know, you realize, you must have realized, like, you know, I got to do this. People have to know this, right? But then the character, too, like that character, he's not only a guy who's not quite sober and playing that part, but this is a, it's a movie about people rationalizing, you know, compartmentalizing things that makes them kind of evil, right? Yes. You hit it right on the head. <laughs> you know, um, you know, as we all, as you and I, we both know, um, yeah, being sober doesn't take away the craziness. You know, there's a lot of crazy motherfuckers <laughs> in this program. You know, me included. Right? I, I so, call them. I call them uh, demons in exile. There you go. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and and you know, and and to to me, Wood was a perfect example of that. Yeah. You, you know. Um. You, you know. Um. <laughs> right. Like I, I'm sober, but I can still do cocaine. <laughs> You know, but and, and even I'm sober, but I can still, you know, use people. Right. You know, I'm selling drugs. Yeah. You, you know, that was even more profound, you know, because for me, this film, it spoke about the insanity. And like people think that. Well, I assume that sometimes people think that drugs are the problem. Mm. Drugs are the symptom of a pro- of the problem. You, you know, we. You know, once we put the drugs down, that's when the work begins. We got to clean up this house, all yes. this garbage, right? Yeah. And so, because it manifests in other ways in our life, poor decision making, you know, and, and poor characteristic traits, right? And yeah. so, Wood was a perfect example and an opportunity for me to show that side of, of what a recovering addict looks like. It's not all roses and once you put the drug down, it's happily ever after and life is going to be great. No, there's a lot of stinking thinking that we need to get rid of and bad bad habits and bad thought processes. And what is the example of that? But I'll tell you, the redeeming moment for me with Wood. In the car? When he re- yes, the car scene. And when he apologized, he apologized. He made amends, man. And that was that, was that redeeming quality in him that made me fall in love with the character on a whole nother level that that acting to where you know you drop into the heart of that guy that's actually tormented and not the guy that justifies his behavior that was a great turn there and you can feel like those choices man man i you know and i just want to take the time this time to also say you know uh, you know um i i wasn't in that scene alone obviously um man i just got to tell you jack kilmer what he bought the the um the honesty, the vulnerability that he brought to that character, man. Yeah. Him and Alice, they are they are like I'm obsessed with them. They, I can't <laughs> take my eyes off of them, man, in this film. <laughs> but with but with Jack bought in that in that in that scene in that car, yeah, you know that level of loyalty that he had, that the way he looked up, it was the, he brought so much to the to the dynamic, man. I couldn't have I couldn't have reached where I needed to be had it not been for what he brought to the table that's That's interesting it was it was yeah he was great and it was definitely that contrast of like you know that moment where he says like you know people have been talking to me like that my whole life you know and you really come on bro (laughs) come on bro validation he saw wood he he he, it was like that was like a meeting in the car right yeah right man that scene was it meant a lot to me and he brought up so much to it bro him as as with his instrument, he brought so much to the, to the character. He made it. He made it very easy for me. Yeah, very easy. Yeah, man. Well, I got a question because I get asked it too. Because when I was the when I did the show Glow 
my character does blow, you know. And yeah, I've been sober, you know, 22 years, something. And people always ask me, like, was that hard? And I'm like, I don't know. Nah, I don't know. I didn't even think about it. What was it like for you to be around drugs? You know, um, in the film, uh, um, Body Brokers, ironically, uh, Wood didn't trigger me because of the decision that I made as to where he was in his recovery when he was sniffing that coke at that pool party. Yeah. I'll tell you who did who did trip me the fuck up was Ooh. Freddie Knight on the night of when he was sniffing dope, and 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 the reasons why the escapism, um, oh, that yeah, was yeah, very yeah. that was very familiar to 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 my to my journey to my to my my, my struggle with this this disease, man. Oh, when and, you were when you were in jail, yeah, it's called the night of, and um, yeah, no, I saw it. Name was Freddie, yeah, yeah, Freddie. Freddie Knight triggered the hell out of me, man. He woke up, he was rubbing that genie bottle like a motherfucker. <laughs> I was like, this, no, no, you back in. Yeah, you know, I don't know. Wood, Wood that night, you know, I believed Wood when he said, man, yeah, you know, you know, um, it was more about, you know, the chicks being in yeah. the moment. Yeah. I don't think that he was, um, that he was in a relapsed state of mind, although, you know, technically he, he did really, he did get high. Right. I don't think that it was that. I think he was just in the moment. And cause he said it, you know, the chicks, these dumb chicks bought this shit over here, blah, 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 you know, right. whatever, you know, right. Freddie was in a different space that, that, you know, I don't know how to do drugs recreation. And just for the moment, I know how to, I, I know how to numb, numb the right. pain. He did it to cope. I, yeah. Cope. I, that's what I did it for. And, that tripped me up. Right, man. So like where now, when did you start? Where do you think it started with you? Where'd you I mean, where'd you grow up? Oh, I grew up in Brooklyn, man. I, I grew up in East Flatbush, Brooklyn, in a little little project called the Vanderveer, the Vanderveer States. And you know, um, you know, like I said, it ain't about the, the, the drug. The drug is a symptom of the problem. But I started coping very early and um, you know, I became an actor very early. I would say by the age nine, I was completely addicted to fantasy like nothing about my life did i want you know so um like how you know, like how did that manifest itself like what kind of fantasies you what were you into i mean you, you know um um being something i wasn't yeah. you know like for instance uh my community you know is a western and caribbean community heavily that you know that's you know we call the uh, notion avenue little haiti and on from is that where your folks are from no, my mother's from the Bahamas, actually, oh, okay. and my and my father's from the South, which is so you had half of the community that was West Indian Caribbean, and then you had the other half that was Black American, yeah. and there was a clash of cultures, like in the in the mid to late seventies to the eighties, and you 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 had to pick one. You were either a lazy welfare recipient Yankee, yeah. or, or you were a high high water wearing banana boat driving coconut yeah those were your options and my mother being from the caribbean and my father being from the south you know um and me having a huge need to fit in yeah. right and this low self-esteem i i you know i started like you know um i lost my identity very quickly very young trying to fit in to to, to be to be liked to be accepted to go under the radar so nobody would i didn't want to ever be singled out and yeah so, you know, the disconnect 
from getting to know who Michael was yeah. that started at a very early age and the ability to to chameleon myself yeah. to fit whatever I thought you needed to see to get in with you. Yeah. That also started very early. So I, that's what I mean when I say I, I got addicted to fantasy very quick. Well, you get addicted young. to, like, I have that problem too. Like, you know, by the end of this conversation, I'll probably be talking exactly like you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just have that thing where I feel like I'm a whole person. But, you know, when I get around stronger personalities, you just kind of like, I'll just live in that guy's skin for a while. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to my, and of course, I became an actor, right? Like, great, great job for someone like me. But, you know, I, I nearly, you know, like, drove myself crazy, man. But, um, you, you know, um, you, you know, again, Wood was an opportunity to to explore all those different things, you know. Because um, I, I believe in some form of fashion, we're all addicts, you know. Um, yeah, it's our, our, the, econ the, the economy of this country is built on it. Thank it, requ you. it requires Thank you, us. What the movie talk, it requires us, which is what the film talks about. Yeah. You know, it, it, it manifests in, in food, uh, yeah. food disorders, sexual disorders, shopping yeah. disorders, relationship with, you know, being, being codependent, you know, yeah. being emotionally manipulative. That shit seeps out in so many different you just, characteristics, you just, human personality. That's my daily schedule you just read off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would love to hear you speak one day, bro. Real talk. <laughs> so you like to cook. You're cooking back there. Did you grow yeah. up like, because I, I always assume that, you know, people from the Caribbean, I, I always think about food, <laughs> you know, like, it, it, like the, the, so it must have been, at least you had uh, an interesting confluence of culture there in the food department, huh? Absolutely. You know, um, and I'm, I'm a foodie. You know, uh, I I don't eat to live. I live to uh, I, I I live to eat. You yeah. feel me? And, yeah. and um, I just I I love everything about food, not just the eating process. I love the preparation. Like you know, um, you know, in my mind, Rachel Ray is like one of my best fucking friends. You know, I sit here and I watch a segment, and she, you know the way she the way you know and butter. Yeah. Put some of that. Oh, look at that. You know, yeah, she just yeah. makes my mouth water when she cooks. <laughs> I share her passion for food. It's like, it's bananas. And then what I'll do is, you know, I'll challenge myself. I'll like, you know, I, I won't go to the website and look at the recipe. Yeah. I have, I have a, you know, I could look at what she's doing that day. Now, I know the basics of what she, uh, she has a, a basic, like, template that she works for. You know, garlic, olive oil, a little salt and pepper. To bake, yeah. You know, there's some, and I, so we got the same foundation. And I just kind of, you know, you know. I may do, I may put a little twist on it or change something up here. I may even fuck it up. Who knows? But I just love, I love the prepping of food. I love, you know, trying new things. And Lord, do I love feeding people. I love when call people over, man, let's break bread. Man, my people, my family, my friends. Right. And then you, you serve everybody. And then you have that minute where you're like, so, so hey, how, <laughs> <laughs> how good am I? I'm great. Right. It's great. Right. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> I did that. I did that. Pretty fucking good, right? <laughs> I just love to see people eat, man. I just, Me too. You know. I'm the, I like I do. I and also it's a great way to occupy the time, man. I've been smoking fish 
I've been like, I'm a Jew. So I've been trying to figure out how to smoke the fish like the old Jews. And I got this yes. smoker out there. So I'm fucking prepping. I'm brining. I'm smoking fish. Yesterday, I, I spent an hour trying to figure out how to make perfect baba ganoush. And then like, you know, you, mm. you spend like three hours doing this shit. Like, you know, smoking fish takes hours. And then I'll eat it in 30 seconds. Like, I don't give a fuck. I'll, I'll put, I'll put hours into prep and then I'll just plow through it. If I'm alone and I make something, I'll eat it oh in 50, uh, 25 That's, seconds. You're, you're two for two. The yoga mat and doing, yeah. doing meditating in the morning. I'm going to find out how to smoke some fucking fish. You got a smoker? I'm gonna, no, I'm going to get one because I know I've heard about this process before. I just, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to get the smoker and I'm going to go to air fryer. Those are two things I want to get. I'm gonna oh, try yeah. This but the smoker, ooh. Oh, yeah, I heard about the air fryer. Everyone's yeah, talking about the, the air smoker. fryer. Yeah, the they smoker. Yeah, they, they gave it to me. The Traeger grill, they gave me the smoker, the wood pellets. You got a yard to put it in? Yeah, I got a, got a, little, I got a little outdoor space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, throw it up but there. I, yeah, I mean, I've been, yeah, I've been smoking the fish. And, like, I love to cook, and I'll do it by myself. Keeps me sane. It's the same thing yes, you were does. talking about with the, you know... I just got to be careful. Like I got, like if I get off on, like I made a pie, like I made, like if I eat, <laughs> if I, if I fucking make a pie, dude, I'm fucked for weeks. You know, then I'm, I'm making cakes. Talk it's, about putting the pie in the pie hole, huh? Yeah. I, yeah. I, I stay away from it. Yeah. My family, we were more pecan pie. Oh, pecan shit. Pie Have you ever made potatoes. that? Those are the. Never, but I, I will eat about three pies by myself. I promise you that. <laughs> if pecan, it's pecan, it's the or, best. Or sweet potato. Yeah, yeah. Put sweet, that in front of me. I eat sweet potatoes all the time. Just yeah. I just have them for a snack. That's what I yeah. do. And I drink a pot of coffee. This is how I manage my addiction, Mike. Fucking, <laughs> you know, just like, like if there's ever a spare minute, I'm thinking about. All right, what can I eat? What What do we got? Ain't nothing. Listen, bro, you ain't hurt nobody. I, I mean. I, like right. I said, I, I love food, you know what I mean? And, 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 you know, I try to keep it, you know, I'm not a health nut in the sense where, you know, I don't eat this, I don't eat that. Yeah. I don't care. If I want, if I want a good, ju juicy, greasy cheeseburger, that's what I'm going to eat. You know, I'm not doing that every day. I'm going to uh. definitely make sure I use it in my, in my, in my regiment. But, um, um, yeah, it's good. Yeah, enjoy yourself. Try to enjoy it. It's the alternative. We got to enjoy life, man. We yeah, got to yeah, enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. I don't think about the other shit at all anymore. So when did you, like, start really doing the acting? I mean, when did you start doing it? Like, when did you decide it was your life? I mean, was it one of those things where you're like, you got to save your life with something? You know, uh, The Wire. You know, so before The Wire, um, you know, I used to be a background dancer, you know, mostly house acts, you know, Crystal Waters, Technotronics, um, things like that. You were a dancer? Like that. Yeah, man, I danced for like seven years, man. Self-taught? Uh, yeah, you know, street street dancer. You know, oh, I, used to, okay. I used to watch the Janet Jackson videos. That's how I learned how to catch choreography. Then I started going public and I would try to do the, the dance. And they'd be like, you're going the wrong way. Because I would learn off the freaking TV, right? That's oh, funny. Oh. So it's a, it's a Rachel Ray and Janet Jackson. These are the keys to your existence. You're damn right. <laughs> so so um, 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 around in 90, 97, 1998, um, well, my first film I ever did was a, a film called Bullet. Uh, Tupac Shakur, the late great Tupac Shakur, he he had saw a picture of Polaroid of me and he saw that I had this scar on my face. And he was like, oh, he told Julian Temple, the director, let's, let's find this guy and audition him. And that was the first thing I'd ever done. The scar um, got you the job. Basically. Yes, it did. 
What was that fight about that got you that scar? Real simple in a couple of sentences. 25th birthday, pissy drunk, ballroom brawl. Nothing special. And, I, you know, except the fact that I almost lost my life uh, that day, that night. But, um, yeah. Who started I, you know, I had it? That, I had to, I, you, you know, there was a situation. Well, I, technically, I, I started it. You know, uh-huh. I was drunk. I had the liquid courage in me. And I saw a situation with someone that I had known at the time. Yeah. And it had nothing to do with me. And I stuck my nose in someone else's business. But in my drunk mind, I was being loyal. Like, you know, I'm not going to watch you get jumped. So, yeah. and I was, you know, and so I was, you know, puffing my chest out due to the alcohol. And I, I was in that zone. And when that situation de-escalated, those dudes that were, were having a confrontation with the person that I knew, they turned their attention on me and the rest is history. So the second thing that I did was um, this movie called Mugshot, um, you know, and it was with uh, Matt Mahern from New York City. Uh, and, you know, it was, a, it was an independent film, but it, I went from being just like a Tupac's little brother to my second thing was a lead role in this independent film. Yeah. So, you know, I was starting to get a little, you know, like starting to think this could happen. And then, you know, you know, you know, Dick Wolf, he had all of, all of his projects, you know, New York Undercover, yeah. uh, uh, Law and Orders. That, 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 was, that was essential for young New York City actors at the time. And I started booking those things, those things. And then um, the phone just went dead. 1999 rolls around. With the, with the Dick Wolf stuff, though, were they, they, did you feel like uh, you were being typecast? It, it, hell no. It, it, I just, <laughs> I never, you know, I, ne- I still to this day don't, I don't acknowledge typecast. You know, um, newsflash, you know, I don't get to assimilate into other cultures very much. You know, I'm a black man and I tell the black experience. Right. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. you know, um, I'm from the hood. Yeah. And I know for a fact I got I have I have a front seat view with how people end up in the situations that they end up. No one wakes up one morning and says, I got it. I'm going to be a successful, you know, a crack dealer on the corner. Or I'm going to be a successful thug that robs people. Or I'm going to be a successful thing. No one wakes up and says, I'm going to be a successful anything that gets them in jail. Right. They do that out of a series, uh, out of a, a, a out of a desperation and a feeling that they have no other options. Right. And I've watched that happen so many times to people that I call my brothers, my family members in my community. And when I started becoming an actor and people were in Hollywood was looking to me to portray these stories, I immediately wore that as a badge of honor. Because right. I was like, these, this is my community. These are my people. I know these people. I'm going to do, do everything in my possible to make sure that people who don't know this lifestyle, who don't know this community, will leave from the story feeling empathy and having some sort of compassion and some sort of understanding. Not saying you got to agree, but those three things, I made it my responsibility to leave the audience with those three things. Well, that's interesting. So, so your, your point of view was that like, you know, instead of looking at me as somebody who is pigeonholed by this type of role, you, you say like, yeah, but these are real people who I know, and this is part of the experience and I'm going to depict it with honesty and authenticity, you know, and these characters are going to, are going to be alive. This isn't, I'm not playing a a caricature. This isn't a, a, a puppet here, you know, so you won't. So I imagine that when you you look at a script, you think in terms of like you know how how deep is this fucker? You know, like is this a real thing or is are you selling this guy short? 
I don't have to even wonder. I can read the first 20 pages and know you bullshitting as a writer. Right. I don't have to even, it's nothing to wonder about the, what I start, what I go in the script looking for is how do I identify? That's mm. what I go looking for. Okay, Mike, how do you, how do you, how do you identify with this character? Because yeah. I know if, if you really saying you, you writing a story about my community, I'm going to find somewhere on this man's life. I'm going to have a parallel with him. So I go in looking for that and I can tell you, ain't no, you don't know what the fuck you talk about within the first 20 pages. And where'd you learn the craft? Where'd you study the acting? Uh, I studied, well, I'm, I was, again, New York City, man. No city sure, like man. in the world. Yeah. And I was blessed to be introduced to the uh, the off-Broadway theater world of New York City. Um, my first play that I did was at a theater on the Lower East Side called the La Mama. I know that place. Theater under yeah. Ellen Stewart. I was actually, um, God bless her soul, man. I was the last play that she produced and directed and writ- wrote. I was in that. It was a, um, a, a city opera and it was called Tancredi and Armenia. And it was about the war of the cultures in, in that part of the world, Middle East. And then um, I, I studied there for about a year or two. And then I left and went to Harlem and I, I studied under the late, great Tunde Samuels. And he worked out of the National Black Theater, as we call it, NBT. And um, uh, there was a, a young writer, a director, her name is um, Judy Shepard King. And she had written this play called Endangered Species. And I got a part in that. And um, then thirdly, uh, my good friend and brother, uh, Ray Thomas, or a lot too, he bought, he's from Philadelphia, shout out to Philly. And he bought his mentor and his theater company to New York City. Every Saturday, these men would either get on the train or they would, they would pile up in cars and they would come to New York every Saturday and they would teach. And Mel, Mel Williams, he's the director of the company and it's called Theater for a New Generation. And every Saturday, man, we would come and we would have class either at the producers club or anyone, any little hole, any little black, black box in New York city, man. And we would, um, uh, from 12 to three, we would have a theater, uh, theater company, theater class, and then, you know, it would be a 10-week course that he would do. And then around the fourth or fifth week, he would start giving out. He would he would break us up into groups, into into uh, partners, and he would give us scenes like, yeah. from a classic plays like uh, Streetcar Named Desire, Ceremonies and Dark Old Men. He has a, like a, a litany of classic plays. He would take scenes and he, yeah. would, give, he would give us did the different groups scenes. And at the end of the 10th week, the last two weeks, he put us on stage. He, we would put it up there and it would call it, he called it, the theater night would be called the night of scenes. And uh, we'd sell tickets and get people to come in. And I did that for years, man. And then I took that and took that into the, uh, to the audition process, man, in Hollywood. And I started to book. But then, like I was saying earlier, man, the phones went dead like around 99. Yeah. And, um, I couldn't, I couldn't get a gig. And so, you know, my mom, God bless her, man. She, she retired and she decided that, you know, sitting down wasn't for her. And she opened up a daycare in the projects where we live. And by 2001, she was, she was blossoming, like, you know, 70, something, 70 year old woman with no education, like, <laughs> like, like, you know, really doing it. And so. What the again, daycare center got popular. It got popular, man. And at, at, at her highlight, the kids, we kept up, we took them from one to five years old. So when they left us, they went to first grade. She 
the, the, the kids that were leaving our daycare were on such were at such, were performing academically on such a high rate. We were the number one in the community in Flatbush. We were co- you, coming you out were of. teaching? No, 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 no. You know, after like I was saying, when I couldn't get when I start, I stopped booking. Yeah. And at in two thousand, my mom took all of us to the Bahamas, where she's from, because you know that was the, all the, the end of the world. The the two K was coming. Yeah. The end of the world. The sky's gonna fall. The sky's gonna fall. You know. Yeah. And um, my mom was like, "Yo, we going out." I want all my family together. We going home and we gonna rock out. And so, at the New Year's dinner party, yeah. she goes. She she said she offered me a job at the daycare because you know I was borrowing money to pay my rent from her. You know, every friggin' month. And she said, you know, you might as well come work for me. You know, you know, I'm paying your rent. You might as well earn the money. So I was like, yeah, ma. You know, not not, not a bad idea. Things could be a lot worse. We got a family business in the community. Why not? So I did that for all of uh of 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 uh, two thousand. And and then and into 2001, she gave me a desk and I started, I coined myself her administrative assistant because she old school. She had everything on in ledger books. So, yeah. you know, I put it, I computerized everything for, you know, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so um, um, she gets give me something to do. So, so um, all, I did that all of 2000 and then all of 2001. And as you know, by September, um, you know, 9-11, 2001. Yeah. That happened, and um, I slipped into a, a um, it was dark. It got real dark uh, for me. You know, um, I stood on my building, and I saw the second plane hit with my naked eye. Like, me and my cousin, we watched the buildings drop. You know, and for, like, two weeks after that happened, like, the wind given, on any given Sunday, the, and depending on which way the wind would shift, I could smell um, the burning flesh still in the air. Yeah, that it, it, it was it like me up bad, bro. I was in Astoria. I watched the same thing in Astoria from my roof, and you yes, know, sir. and yeah, and yes, then sir. you that metal smell, burning smell. Man. It lasted for weeks. It, weeks. La- it was also the flesh. The yeah, flesh. yeah. yeah I, that's what I I know what burning flesh smells like, man. I just like this is so. Anyway, needless to say, I relapsed. Let's <laughs> 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 just get that out there. <laughs> so, so, um, um, so you know, what I was your thing, man? Cocaine, man. Mm. You know what I mean? Coke mm. and alcohol. Yeah. So um I relapsed and um I struggled for all of uh two thousand and one. I mean for all for, for most of two thousand, you know, after nine eleven. And yeah. um on October I was sitting in my apartment with my cousin and one of my homeboys, man, and um, you know, we was doing we was getting high and the setting would be you turn the TV on, but you mute it. And then you blast the music, sure. right? And that's Get how, everything that's going. How, that's, yeah, yeah that's, how, that's how you do it, right? So, um, and then you're talking. The you're talking too. Yeah, we're talking shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we, I think we, I think we're playing chess. You know, I just <laughs> get how I play chess, right? Talk shit. You know. So the TV was on, and I had it on HBO, Mark, and I looked at the screen, and it was an episode of Sopranos that I was in. So I looked up, I was like, I had this like, like out of body experience. I was like, what the fuck? I said, and I looked what I was doing. I said, man, there's something wrong with this picture. <laughs> and so um, I asked my mom's man, I said, yo mom, I said, um, I, I said, I don't know if I could do this no more. I said, I got this, I said, I feel like I should give this, this Hollywood shit one more shot. And she said, what you need? I said, I need you to lend me some money because I, I got to reinvent my package, because I've been off the scene for two years, and now they, I think they doing this new thing called a reel. 
you got to put a reel together, and I got to yeah. do new headshots, blah, 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 blah. So I got to hire people, ma. And she said, all right. She lent me the money, and this was in late October, early November. I did everything. And you didn't spend it, it on drugs. That's good. Not all of it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, y'all, keep it real, right? Yeah. Not all of it. Yeah. But um, um, I got what I needed to get done. And yeah. then I gave them out. I had a hit list of 10 names of people who I knew in the business that if I had any shot, it would I, I could get it from them. And, you know, Queen Latifah and Shaquem Kapoor, Jimmy Roseman, uh, Jackie Brown Carmen. I remember it was 10 names. And I sent out the real, the new package. And I said, you know what? It's Christmas. And they're going to look at it. They're going to see that I'm back on the block. And I'm my phone's going to be ring off the hook. Give it the second, third week in January. It's going to be major, right? <laughs> and here, here we are, February. Ain't nothing happening. And my mom was like, where the fuck did you, what did you do with my money? Yeah. And I was like, oh, man. So, um, you know, I... It, I slipped into a depression, man. You know, like for real, for real. Like, you know, I had to go see a doctor and he he prescribed me like Paxil. And yeah. I'm sitting there smoking weed and taking Paxil and wondering why I don't feel better, right? Like, what the fuck? And um, <laughs> yeah, anyway, yeah. that was in February. And then in March, my mother called me, man. And she's like, yo, come downstairs. There's a fax for you. A fax. And I went and I got the fax. And you know what it was, Mark? It was it David was Simon. Yes, it was. It was. It actually was Alexa Fogel, uh-huh. and it was the breakdown for Omar Devone Little, and that's when I knew this is real. This is real. Like I got this. This is it. I knew they offered it to that, you. Well, no, I had to audition. Yeah, I had to audition. But once I got it, I'm saying, you know, I I, I went to her office. She auditioned me. I think three days later, she called me telling me to um be on the, 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 the next Amtrak and report to Baltimore. Like I was on the set for like a week before I even met David. Like I, I had to like jump right in head, head first and I never looked back. Bro. Thank God you'd done the research. Ah, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You joke, but that's, that's, um, that's for real. Yeah. I poured a lot of my pain in, into the character of Omar, man. A lot. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a great character. It was one of the you know the best characters that whole thing. I mean, I remember like I didn't watch it in real time. I watched it all at once. So like I I watched it a couple years after the fact, but I was in New York and I was doing a radio gig and I just would watch three or four episodes a day like I was on drugs, man. It was like The Wire was my drug. I would binge. I would do like four or five episodes a day and I'd feel fucked up <laughs> after but but your character was like every time Omar came on, you're like, ah, there's fucking Omar, man. You're and always you happy. The, I'm, I'm gonna tell you a secret though. Yeah. You wanna know what the best character on that show was, hands down? Yeah. It was the city of Baltimore. Yes. I promise you, it, like that city permeates. It, it 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 I can't you had to be on those streets like, you know. We shot a lot of location. Yeah. Why it wasn't it wasn't a uh a, a you know a cushy set type of a gig. We were we was in them streets, bro. And I got to know the people. I got to see the culture. I got to feel the streets. Yeah. You know. And when I tell you, that city is one of the most beautiful cities, one of the most beautiful gems in this country, and we don't know it. But Baltimore, the city of Baltimore, is the number one character. The people and the energy 
and the spirit of that city is the, yeah. is the number one character on the wire. And Simon and Simon loves that city. I mean, so like he, he still knew, lives there. Born he and knew. still there. Yeah, yeah he did. Yeah. I interviewed yeah, he that guy. He's a smart guy. Yeah, crazy motherfucker. That's my big bro. Yeah, I'd lo- I thought, obviously, I'm not alone in thinking that was an amazing uh, show, but it's just all the performances were deep, man. You know, and, and I just work with Andre. I'm friends with Andre. Uh, Royal. Oh, Royal? Yeah. Come on, man. Yeah. Come on, I, man. We just did a movie a month ago. Hey, me I and know. Him. I, I know what it is. I, I mean, we stay in contact, man. I know exactly which, which, which parts you're talking about. Oh, my God. I can't, I can't remember the name, but I know. To Leslie, it's called. Is the Bingo. name go? Yeah, but uh, but I can't imagine you two getting together. That would I would I would have to sit that one out and just watch, just to watch you, you guys know, talk. We've been talking about that. Me, him, and Sonia. Yeah, well, Sonia and I have been talking about um, developing Who's Sonia? something. To, Sonia Song, who played Kima Greggs. Oh, okay, right. Yeah, us three, we three Musketeers, and she and I, we both have full working on a knowledge uh, that you must know now too. Andre Royal was special. Yes, he different. Yeah, he, he 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 ain't he ain't he far from regular. Like we all cute, or yeah. we all of us is cute, but but Andre Royal was special. And like you gotta, if you know him, then you know what I'm talking about. I, I ain't got time to go into why we know this, but you you and I know why I say he's special. He'll and, go um, there, man. So, Dre different, bro. Yeah. He says like it, you know, he says with such vernacular and such effortlessness what most of us are thinking and it's not, it's not tacky. It's not offensive. He just has this way of spitting that shit that's on all of our minds, but none of us have the balls to say, and he does it with such a freedom that you just have to, you'd be like, <laughs> you just don't like, what do you, what do you do? It's like, anyway, <laughs> yeah, no, he's got, there's a, there's a, like a real kind of honest vulnerability there that he speaks from. Perfect. Yes. Right. Yes. And, and, yes. and you, you just got to be like, what the fuck? You go can't you <laughs> You gotta love him. You yeah. just gotta love him. That's true. You have That's to true. love him, man. Yeah. And, you know, or you hate him, but you ain't gonna like like him. You're right. either gonna love him or you're gonna hate him. And if you hate him, you got problems. You got fucking problems, my dude. <laughs> so we've been working on a project yeah. that will um highlight Dre, man. And if I could be a, a we we it's funny you said it because we really Sonia and I we talk about that often. We gotta create something for our brother, because that's how much we feel he's just He's just he's just that special to us. Yeah, and I think also like you know it, it's it's a it's it's a weird place for him for him because like he should be in everything, but there, I don't know how much is coming to him, and I don't know if he's uh, if he if people really know how to use him, you know, because if they you, did, you, he'd be oh, working. Come on, man, you think you already know what that is? That's about that's another that's a whole other conversation that you know I'm not going to go down that road right now because you know I'm tired of waiting for they, you know I'm, right. I'm at the point now where you know. It's time for me to build build my own table. It's time for us to build our own table. Sure, you know you can start a production that, company. Uh, that's already done. It's called oh, Free yeah. Dome Productions. Oh, dome good. Peace, Free Your Dome, Free Free Dome Productions, and we, we out of here. We know we we housed in the Navy Yard here in Brooklyn, and um um yeah that that ship has sailed, you know, and and this pandemic has has it's humbled us, yeah, and it has leveled the playing field massively. And if it's ever time to shoot your shot, I believe it's now. Yeah. So, you, you know, um, yeah, yeah, you're right. They don't know what to do with him. They barely know what the fuck to do with me. You, you know what yeah. I mean? So, 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 you know, it's time for us to, um, to, to lift each other up. Now, man. do you ever think about, you ever think about theater anymore? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Me and my, and my brother, the same gentleman that introduced me to theater, uh, yeah. Ray Thomas from Philadelphia. Yeah. He and I was talking the other day, man, and, um, you know, we're, we're, we're working on this idea about a traveling theater. Like, just huh. take it, you know, yeah, that, you know, we, we, we come with a story and just, and travel. The idea of traveling theater and taking it to, like, neighborhoods that normally would not be exposed to a play, you know, and what that would look like, you uh-huh, know. That'd be, you know, and, yeah. What, we, someday when we, about that. when we can go back outside. We can. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can't congregate right now, but you know, yeah, we don't. We're definitely talking about that, man. It must have been okay. interesting, like La Mama, because like that's some weird shit sometimes. And you know what? The, we know what's the love about theater too. Um, there's no mistakes. There's no cut and action. You have, we, you know, it forces us to use everything. Yeah, you got to stay in the moment. It forces me to stay in the moment. Like I remember when I first started. When I first started coming around. Because of my theater training, I memorized everybody's lines. In fact, I used to write, I would only write my lines and not memorize them. I would just write them down, but I would memorize your lines, the other actors' lines, because huh. I needed to stay in that moment. And what I did with my my dialogue, I would tell myself, well, Mike, if I understand the world and what these what the other characters are saying, where they're coming from, my lines will be common sense. It'll be logic. I don't have to remember remember my line it'll come to me because it's logic oh and then and even um, if like and then once what you, you so then you know the intention you know bingo like, right bingo and th- so theater taught me that and theater also taught me to because it taught me to, to know the intention if you switched it up because another thing about andre royal he, he also comes from the theater background yeah. same the same circuit that i was running in Dre was running and we didn't know each other at the time. Yeah. Um, um, we actually did the same play and didn't know each other at the time with Yolanda Ross. We played three different men in her life and she was like marrying with blah, blah, blah. So, so Dre was notorious for switching it up. If the line was like, yeah, I got to go home and walk my dog. Dre be like, yeah, 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 I got to go feed my cat. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you got to like, you know, you, and you, and theater taught me no matter how many times we, how many nights we do it, if I if I mess around and stop listening to you and waiting for you to shut up so I can say my line, I'm a, that will that will leaves a, a it lead it is I could get tripped with a, an actor like with like like Andre who might you know he might throw you a nugget and if you yeah. ain't, if you're not in a position to catch it you are gonna trip it'll knock you in the head because you you know you you're so so. Theater taught me those things, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. You got to listen. Got to listen. Yes, sir. Yeah. yeah. So so you feel better. Well, now, when you did The Wire, were you high? Um, I didn't get high the whole first season of The Wire. Um, I had wanted to make such a good impression on David and Nina and Ed. I decided, you know, I stopped smoking weed. I wasn't getting high, nothing. And ironically, I picked up cigarettes. I said, you know, because I said I can, you know, cigarettes don't get me high. And it'll, it'll, it'll feed my oral fixation. That's a tough one. I started, man. yeah, but it, I went to clothes, like you know, the, the jar oh, yeah, rooms. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. started there, you know, and so um, the whole first season I didn't get high, and then you know, and then they made me a series regular on season two. Yeah, and um, you know, as we all know, season two is about the docks. So what happened again? Uh, idle mind became my idle mind became the devil's workshop. I'm in, yeah. I'm in Baltimore. I'm already partying, going to clubs and things of that nature. 
and I have all this time on my hands. I don't have the responsibility that I uh. like, you can't get fucked up because you got to be to work tomorrow. There were like weeks, a week or days, chunks of time in between. So you got to play some chess. Me. And, 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 you know, it, and I ended up picking up, uh, in season two. Um, but you know, I, I really, man, the cast of the wire, Wendell Pierce, Sonia, yeah. Andre, Wendell's um, they, the best. They rally, Wendell, Seth Gilliam, uh, yeah. Dom Lombardozzi, these men and women, man, they, um, they would come grab me up. They never let me slip too far between the cracks, man. And, um, we became a family on, they became they became my family on season two, I should say, and um, that still holds true to this day. That's beautiful, and uh, yeah, I can't, I can't. There's uh, uh, in terms of influences to have Andre on one side and Wendell on the other. You got the full spectrum, man. You know, you've got you got the raw honesty, and then you got the thinky stuff. You know what I mean? When, and then, Wendell is is like an oracle. Yeah, you know, a lot of heart, know, and a lot of heart, and he got a lot of fight in him. Don't let that. Don't let those reading glasses and that three-piece suit fool you with that necktie. Wendell will fuck you up. And he he comes, he that's a New Orleans dude through and through, man. And I just and he, and he's educated. Yeah. And he's not afraid. Yeah. You know, and and um, you know, like he I take he drops jewels. Like he he's full of wisdom. Like early on in, in the career, man, Wendell sat me down. Forget what we was talking about, but he said, you know what, Michael? He said, this business is about the work you do, the people you meet, and the relationships that you build. And I never forgot that. Yeah. It kept me humble. It kept me focused on what, what's important about being in this, this land of make-believe that we, that we live in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> kept me. Yeah, so that, that's the kind of thing that Wendell But he also, he'll be right beside you with the bar throwing him back. He has, you know, you know, a lot of people don't know. Wendell, if you look at him and you perceive him a certain way, and <laughs> you missed the party. You will miss the party. Weren't looking at his suit and tie. <laughs> yeah, I, I've talked to him. He's a great guy. So when you yeah, did yeah. Uh, the when you did the Boardwalk Empire, man, how, how do you feel about that time travel business? You like you like going to different time. You know, um, I I was talking to a good friend of mine, and he he kind of um he kind of hit me. You know, pulled my attention to what you just said. Yeah. Um, yes, the answer first off is yes, I do. I do, uh, love going back in time. It, uh, I decided to use those stories, whether it was Chucky White on Boba Empire or Jack G in, um, in, in Bessie opposite Queen Latifah, or if it was Montrose Freeman in, in, in Lovecraft Country. I keep, there is something that my friend Gano, he was telling me, he said, yo, Mike, he said, have you noticed the ancestors? keep bringing you back using you to tell their story and it's not just all over the place i'm always being asked to go to the 1920s the era that my father was born in huh. and um a, my good friend like i said he we was talking he was like you know we do um we do you know i i i, I work with my ancestors man i acknowledge them on a daily basis and um he hit me to that just recently so yes i do I also take that the opportunity to go back in time and tell the stories of my ancestors. I, I also wear that just as much with a badge of honor and a huge responsibility to me as well. Is your uh, your folks still around? 
My father's deceased. My mom's still alive, man. She just made 93 this past December. <laughs> still swinging that cane trying to knock me out. <laughs> Come here, i knock you out. <laughs> All right, mom. She lived close by? Nah, man, we got her out of, out of the city, out of state. You know, we, we um got her out of New York. You know, 93. She nice. did her bit. Her mom, yeah, 50 yeah. some odd years in the projects. You know, she um she's managed to save her. And, and let me go on record. She she bought her own house, cash, from that daycare, you know. And, yeah, um, um, yeah man, it took some nudging because she was so comfortable, you know, 50, almost 60 years in one apartment in one building in one community. Wow. And um, That's New York, and, uh, man. Yeah, New- in Brooklyn, right, yeah. in Vanderveer. And, it, you know, like around 70, in her, on her se- right after her 75th birthday, man, we, we, uh, we, we, um, we took some nudging. But she said, ah, what the hell, okay, I'll go. So she's out of state now, but um, she's, she's doing fine. She's, she's happy, very right. happy. And you're happy? Yes, I am, man. I'm, I'm grateful. You already yeah. know. You already know. Yeah, yeah. I'm grateful. I ain't got nothing to complain about, man. We here. Yeah. And you're cooking. You got Rachel Ray. Yeah, right. Yeah, but yeah, Rachel Ray, she cut out of miss already for this morning. I, I'll catch her, I'll catch her <laughs> recipe tomorrow. Have you ever met her? <laughs> Yes, actually, I did, man. Um, I, I, she interviewed me uh, when I was doing this show called Happen Leonard. Um, and did she know? Did was, she know you were such a big fan? Well, after the show went off, yeah, she found out because I was not about to leave. I said, "There's no." I said, "Yo, Rachel," I said, "I said, hey, yo," I said, "You know, there's no, you know, there's no way I'm leaving this studio without you making me a hamburger. <laughs> you got, you got make me the, you got make me the special, the special Rachel Ray burger." Cause I don't, you know, with the with the tra- the three different kinds of meats, I need yeah. that in my life. She looked at me and she she chuckled. She's like, "This motherfucker." <laughs> but she went she went to the set kitchen because there's a real kitchen on that set. Yeah, like, yeah. that's all real. Yeah. She went in the back, and twenty minutes later, man, I had a I had an authentic, you know, Rachel Ray cheeseburger. <laughs> that I, I, <laughs> I I could have died and went to heaven. <laughs> Well, I'm glad that I'm glad that happened for you. <laughs> yeah, All right, yeah. man, it was good talking to you, and I love the movie. I love Thank your you work, and uh, you know, this is like going to a meeting. I feel better. Thank you, Mark. I, same here, brother. Thank you, man. Okay, pal. Thank Take you. it easy. Yeah. Bye, man. Bye. That's it. That's our show. The movie is Body Brokers. And that's available now to buy or rent on on-demand platforms like iTunes, Prime Video, and more. Let's play some guitar.
Boomer lives. Monkey and La Fonda and cat angels everywhere. 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 everywhere. 